out of 9,000 odd alleyways. To find somebody's house would have been an impossibility. So what people did was find the community oven, find the baker. This is the Insight Guides podcast. I'm Zara Sakavati. When I travel, I want to go deeper than the traditional tourist sites. As a travel editor at Insight Guides, my job is to find the people who can bring us this experience. Our network of local experts design and book unique personal trips for each individual traveller. I'm really excited about this episode because I'm bringing you a story from a place that's close to my heart. Known as the cultural capital of Morocco, Fez is an ancient city tucked away in the northeast of the country. I spent a summer volunteering for the Initiative for the Protection of Women's Rights in Fez, and I fell so in love with the city that I went back every summer after that. I don't know anyone who speaks more passionately about Fez than tour operator Gail Leonard. I've known her my whole life, so I brought her in to show us around. I'm Gail Leonard. And Fez has been my home and my uh, love and spiritual home for many years. So I'm going to talk about the Fez Medina because Medinas are so special and it's really close to my heart as a, a very special destination. A Medina is the description basically for a walled fortified city, old city, filled with markets, the souks, houses, Everything that a small town needs is on the inside of these rampart walls. This is a a medina that is 1,200 years old. It's a UNESCO heritage site. And just within one square mile, it consists of 9,000 alleyways. And that includes 320 mosques, I think I'm right in saying, uh, certainly over 300 mosques. Very different to, say, the Medina in Marrakesh. It is still full of residents. It's, I think the population currently is around 200,000. So that's a lot of people in a pretty small area. What drew me to the Fez Medina was that it's an example of living history. The gates of the city were only open to the public for the first time in the 1960s. Before then, if you weren't from the Medina, you couldn't visit. It's this that makes the Medina so special. Fez really is as it always has been. And the community in each part of the Medina thrives around the five different amenities that are available in every single neighbourhood in that square mile. So I mentioned already that uh, there are over 300 mosques in the Medina. And the mosque, of course, is the absolute uh, pinnacle of, uh, of community life. It's one of the five pillars of the community that mirror, I guess, the five pillars of uh, the Islamic faith. So those in the community are uh, the mosque, as I've said, uh, a fountain providing water uh, for everybody in that block, in that little neighbourhood, school, the hammam, the community bathhouse and the community oven, the bakery. 
uh, most of which are over 500 years old. So that's just how well preserved the Medina is. And these things are still being used on a daily basis by the residents. For thousands of years, residents in the Medina have navigated this crowded, bustling square mile through these five community pillars. As a foodie, you might be able to guess which of the five pillars Gail is most interested in. My absolute favourite has to be the community oven. And at over 500 years old, these places are just kind of steeped in history. And they're also steeped in community gossip, um, which is also what makes them so interesting, as well as the delicious food they produce. So back when the gates of the Medina were, were still closed and locked up, you know, if you were visiting somebody, if you didn't live in Fez, out of 9,000 odd alleyways, to find somebody's house would have been an impossibility. So what people did was find the community oven, find the baker, because he was the person that would know where everybody lives, because every family, uh, every day, in fact, most often twice a day, bake bread. Bread is the mainstay of uh, the Moroccan cuisine. So to bake your bread, you knead it at home and uh, you let it uh, sit at home and then you take it. You don't cook it at home. You don't bake because you've a community oven around the corner, wood fired with a baker that knows exactly how long something needs to be baked to form the perfect crust. So you deliver it to him. So he knows how many people you've got eating that day. He knows how many guests you might have coming that day. He'll be chatting. And so he's generally the keeper of uh, secrets of who's looking for a marriage partner, of who might be selling their house, who has recently died. He is the one that knows. So the bakery is really an extremely important hub within each little neighbourhood. Bakeries are these tiny little holes in the wall. You would never think that you're walking past a public oven. The baker's always busy, using a long wooden paddle to put the bread into the oven or to pull out the cooked loaf to hand over. But I would say my favourite pillar of the community would have to be the hammams. So most of the houses in Fez wouldn't have uh, a designated bathroom. Uh, You go to the community bathhouse to uh, scrub and to steam and for women also to chat because traditionally they have not been sitting in coffee shops uh, or or tea shops, sipping away, uh, discussing the day's business uh, as the men have done. They get together with the children and spend a good old afternoon chatting and washing in the public bathhouse. And so that's always been a major insight into into life, going and partaking of a bath in the hammam. The hammam I went to was huge, with soaring marble walls coated in colourful mosaics and seating places dotted all over. Inside, you were scrubbed down by a serious-looking woman with a killer exfoliating mitt. After the scrub, you just sit down and chat with the rest of the hammam goers, breathing the hot, fresh, smelling steam in and out. But of course, Gail discovered that there's a hole hidden side to hammams as centres of community cohesion. There's one man you need to know about. 
So you find the Hammam Dal, and then usually a couple of alleyways around the corner, you can find your way to the back of the Hammam and uh, and poke your head in. And he is sort of sitting there. There's a great huge stone uh, domed furnace. Uh, surrounded by huge amounts of wood and sacks of wood chippings and there's usually a little tinny radio on in the background and this guy will spend, you know, up to 16 hours a day uh, in there, maybe in two shifts, maybe not, just stoking this uh, furnace with handfuls of wood chippings. So it smells amazing. It smells of cedar wood, and uh, and smoke and it's hot uh, best place to be in the winter uh, worst place you could possibly imagine in the heat of the Moroccan summers but yep he's there every day heating up that water uh, heating the furnace and that's fired by the wood chippings that are bought by the donkeys through the alleyways from the part of the Medina where all the woodworkers are carving and using the cedar wood for making the furniture for making beams for the houses and the wood chips are then used to heat the furnace to heat the water for the hammam but as well as that for a few pence you can ask the guys that run the furnace to stand your crock pot or your slow cooker a terracotta pot that's shaped differently from a tagine it's more of a vase kind of a grecian vase shape that he will stand in the hot ashes for seven or eight hours, uh, cooking people's hot pots in the hot ashes and tending to them. You know, you can sometimes leave them uh, with him overnight and he will tend to your crock pot and uh, hand it back to you the next day or sometimes even um, get it delivered to you by one of the donkey drivers to your door. And it's, uh, yeah, you get slow food deliveries instead of fast food deliveries, it's amazing. Religion is such a central part of life in Fez that it has a huge impact on regional cuisine. Gail told me she's recently been researching holy foods. One in particular that I found so fascinating was honey. In Fez, there's a very, very unique fondue. And a fondue is an old inn that would have been used on the silk trails where the camels are parked downstairs and the lodgings are upstairs. They have now become uh, souks in themselves, little indoor markets. And one of them is dedicated to the uh, sale of honey. And all the honey vendors gather there, which is the tradition in the Medinas that similar vendors all gather in one spot because in all these hundreds and hundreds of alleyways, how otherwise would you ever find somebody setting up your honey shop uh, away from other honey sellers doesn't make any sense there. So the honey souk is full of different honeys. And there is one in particular who is very, very famous, Hisham, who is very famous for the amount of different honeys that he has. And these are the purest, probably most organic honeys uh, that I've ever come across in my lifetime. And I look for honey everywhere. <laughs> it's a big favourite of mine. They're used very much for medicinal uh, properties, so much less for spreading on your toast in the morning than for taking a spoonful for good health and because the prophet would have done so and because it is considered a holy food. 
So it's very antibacterial. You know, honey will never, ever, ever, ever go mouldy because it has such massive antibacterial qualities. Uh, It holds in moisture. So it is used very, very efficiently on burn scars, on open wounds. Um, It's fantastic in fighting bacteria in throats, for sore throats, for coughs, for colds. The list goes on and on and on. But not only that, they're also incredibly delicious. So you can buy lavender honey, orange blossom honey, thyme honey, uh, carob honey, rosemary honey, you name it. And the way the honey is made is essential to its health-giving properties. The honey's in fairs are particularly pure because unlike uh, honey that is produced in many other countries, like the US, for example, where beekeepers get paid to go and take their hives and help with the pollination of different orchards and hence will go to sort of the highest payers and they'll move their hives around and it's sort of very economy-based. In Morocco, the beekeepers pay rent and they will then go and pay rent and put their hives let's say in the in a big field of thyme and they won't move them and so the bees only have access to thyme and are producing an incredibly uh, pure honey whose medicinal benefits will be even more heightened than than in mixed honeys. Yeah so for all of those reasons uh, among many, many others, and over the years I've lived there, I still love Fez Medina. I just think it's the most fascinating place, a piece of history that you can take part in. And I really recommend that you do so. It's just fantastic. If, like me, Gail has inspired you to visit the Fez Medina, head to insightguides.com, where you can book a specially tailored trip through our website. We want to hear from you. Let us know what interesting places food has led you to on your travels on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Insight Guides. For more information on Gail and her company, Planet Morocco, visit planetmorocco.com. That's plan-it-morocco.com. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Zara Sekhavati. This series is a reduced listing production by Jesse Lawson. Special thanks to Gail Leonard.